it was probably about in in grad school where I was introduced to a word that at first I thought was was kind of made up. I thought it was something that somebody had made up, and it's a desertification. Desertification is where a uh, there is a climate that changes into desert, which is something that we really have not realized is a thing, I think, for a lot of people, but, but in reality is actually a problem in many parts of the world right now. In fact, in places in the United States where deserts are growing, where once there was lush land and slowly deserts are, are growing and taking over. I don't know if any of you have ever driven through eastern Colorado, but it seems to take forever because it seems like the desert is actually taking over in certain parts there. I was reading that the Sahara Desert, in fact, each year uh, grows to the south about 48 kilometers, where there's whole parts of uh, countries that at one time were lush farmland that now have become deserts, uh, changing the entire nations, uh, where they have to figure out how they are going to live and sustain themselves from now on. I bring this up because in our reading today from Isaiah 35, it talks about a land becoming a garden. What's missing from our reading today was Isaiah chapter 34, where it was talking about a land becoming a desert. This is important because for us to understand what it means to become the garden, we first must understand how Isaiah 34 came about where the Lord calls out that the kingdom of Eden would become a desert, that it would be demolished and all the people taken away and the land would overtake all of the things that they had built in their kingdom and it would become just a desert. We see this today, as I mentioned, the Sahara in parts of Asia, China, Mongolia, the United States. For the people of Israel, when they heard Isaiah chapter 34, they knew what that meant because, in fact, they had seen where nations would come in and invade and take over a nation and carry the people away. And what would be left would be a disaster. In fact, we know Israel would eventually become one of those places. The where the Israelites came back, they cried at seeing the way the wilderness had taken over their land. We recognize this because we know at times the way our hearts and our lives can fall victim to desertification. That our lives at times can be more than just victims of the sands of time, but rather sand, dryness, desert can invade our lives. The hope that is given in Isaiah chapter 35 is that the dry land, the deserts that can overcome, can then be destroyed and taken away. That there is a possibility, there is a way, that where there is dryness and death, where the serpent and the dragon live, by words of Martin Luther, can be done away with and flowers can bloom again. 
But first, we must remember the power of these deserts in our lives. Deserts can come into our heart and into our lives in many different ways, and we know that they are the ways that our enemy tries to come at us. That as our things in life dry up, the way we are, we begin to look in on ourselves, becoming a desert of feeling, a desert of life. That it all begins with just maybe one grain of sand. One hot, dry wind one day. For some of us, this, this might just simply begin with one corkscrew, one bottle, and one cup. For others, it might just begin with one click of the mouse that leads to the next click, and the next one, and the next one. It may just simply begin with one or two words exchanged in a sniping matter to the people we love or to someone we even see on the street. Maybe it begins in your day randomly with one simple gesture made while driving. (laughs) Or maybe one simple look at that person who's finally gotten under your skin. It's hard for us to realize the power of many of these things and the way they can take hold. How one look can change your day and someone else's day. How we can easily spin quickly out of control with that one corkscrew and that one cup. With that one view of an image online. How in those one small, simple actions, a desert can quickly grow. Where there was once hope, where there was once life, we pull back with these things and become deserts ourselves. We see this in our world all the time. Not just in the physical matter that I was talking about earlier, but we see this in the way we can treat each other and the way we handle the issues of our world. Where we quickly pull back, voiding out any hope of life between each other and only let the deserts continue to grow and grow. We're in the season of Advent where we are called to examine our own lives and to examine our own hearts. We remember the classic hymn where we ask the question, How shall we greet thee, O Lord? In what way will our hearts be found? Will they be found as gardens full of love and life? Or they will be Constant deserts that stretch without end and easy to get lost in. Leaving no fertile ground for anything to grow up. Will we hand ourselves over to those actions we keep falling into? Will we throw in the towel and just hope we can make it to the end without ever trying to push the desert back? How will our hearts be found? 
How will the Lord see them on the day that he returns? When we lift up our glasses on Christmas Eve night and we lift up our candles as we sing of the nativity of our Lord, will it be in such a way that it's a a heart crying out that has known nothing but death or will it be from a life that is full of this garden of Isaiah 35? The thing about deserts is it's very different from droughts. Droughts are something that they come and go. And the whole time I lived in Nebraska, they were in a drought. And the prayer was always for rain to come. And and so they would count, literally it seemed like, count every drop of rain that would hit the ground, hoping that that would maybe turn the tide of the drought, that bring back kind of the, the life that would be needed in those fields so that that family could survive and, and really the rest of our country could survive. But deserts, deserts, they, they stop counting the raindrops. It doesn't matter anymore at that point. The sand is there, the, the dry land, the, the parchness is, is hard to overcome no longer needed to be just a rainfall. Needing an outpouring. Needs a deluge. Needs so much water that all of the dry land can be washed and wiped away. Not just some simple rainfall, but something that will change it completely. Our hearts, our hearts that can become like desert. They cannot be fixed by just a few raindrops of actions trying to turn back the tide of the desert. It cannot be met with me just stopping and saying, well, next time I'll try harder. Next time I swear it will be different. The computer will be shut off, the bottle will be corked, The tongue will be tamed. The piercing glances to the side will be stopped. No. No. It has to be all washed. It has to be all wiped away. It has to be taken care of in such a way that that desert can never take hold in our hearts again. Isaiah 34 can have no part in our life anymore. What this desert heart of ours needs is a living water. A water that overflows, that knows no bounds. A cup that continues to pour out. A deluge that comes and wipes the heart clean and makes the ground grow in water and plants and flowers bloom again. It needs the coming of the Lord who calls himself the living water that can quench all thirst. That can take away the sands of our sins. That can wipe us clean and bring about life where there was dryness and death. We need the one who sits on his throne now and says to the thirsty, 
To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. You've been given this water. You've you've not only had it just sprinkled on your forehead and, and on your heart, you've been drowned in this water. You've been bathed in it in such a way that there's no coming away from it. That this water has not just touched your skin, but is given into the depths of who you are. So that desert can never again take hold of your heart. Can never become the thing that defines you. Those bottles, those pictures, those words, those glances... They will never be the things that you are known for again. Because you've been given this living water. You've been made into this garden. You are the one who has heard the name of Jesus Christ placed on you. And you are the one who is waiting for Him to come. To take these little buds of flowers and plants in our lives and make them bloom to the full glory of Him. You've been washed new and clean. You are now living in the living water. These deserts of of doubt, these deserts of sin, these deserts of temptation, of all these things that are fighting to get into your life are pushed back by the floodwaters of Jesus. And so the dry land rejoices and grows. It becomes something new and completely different than what it was before. Sure, it, it will have its potholes of dryness, but, but don't be fooled. The living water will take care of those too. We leave this place and we'll, we'll see the deserts. We'll see the way it has taken over others' lives and, and the way it continues to, to push itself into ours. But the thing about water that continues to flow and flood is there's no stopping it. You are the source in which it goes out. You are the one who bears his name and who speaks his words to others. To those who are suffering in the dryness of doubt and temptation, you are the one who has the way to share this water with them. The church, the people of God. Martin Luther talked about this in his commentary. He says, the church... The church flourishes inwardly. That this flood of water, this this garden of ours, is, is not something in power, in the wisdom of the flesh, in the gleam of splendid and beautiful works, but it walks along in a simple form. Not ostentatious holiness, and therefore it appears forsaken and without any glitter. 
Yet there are internal flowers and delights. They're not visible, but they are namely in confidence. They are peace. They are life. They are a cheerful conscience. They're all along, but maybe not seen. We remember the words of 1 John chapter 3, where he says, Beloved in the Lord. Beloved in the Lord. We are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But when he appears, we shall be like him. We shall be like those gardens, full and beautiful and radiating in his glory. Don't forget that you are now the beloved in the Lord, the ones who have been washed and wiped clean. You've been given the things to defeat these temptations and these trials. You've been given a community to help you fight back that bottle or fight back those images from the internet. You've been given a community of faith who can help you in your language and your speech. And you've been given the word of God to guard your way. Isaiah 35 speaks that in this garden, there will be a highway, a royal way, where the beast cannot go Even the fool cannot stumble. You've been given things of God to help these gardens grow and flourish. May this flood that begins here at this font and in the words of God, may the garden that has grown in our lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ overcome all of who we are and go out into this world. Amen.